A lot of people ask the question, is the Old Testament unnecessary? No, the Old Testament had all of the truths about Jesus concealed there. And it's not like we don't follow commandments anymore. Some people might think, oh, if we have Jesus, we don't follow any laws or rules or... No, but what's changed is we don't do sacrifices anymore. We don't have to fulfill much of what God gave through Moses because we have a perfect sacrifice. The book of Hebrews says, we have a covenant built on better promises, better blood, a better priesthood, a better temple, all of it's in Jesus now. So if, in a sense, if we follow Jesus, who's fulfilled the law, we're actually following the law by following Jesus. Welcome to the You Can Learn the Bible podcast, a podcast dedicated to summarizing complete Bible books in single episodes. I am Bodie Quirk, and I am here with my co-host, Joey Rozek. I am on the West Coast. Joey, where are you at? I'm all the way on the East Coast, Bodie. We got the whole nation covered from East to West. <laughs> from East to West. Yeah, and the weather is exactly the same, right? Like, it's just the same right here. I'm in California. I'm sure it's just a balmy 65. Yeah, that is definitely not true. That's going to be the most untrue statement on this program. Because <laughs> it's raining and cold. And uh, I'm sure we are bundled a lot more than you are right now. Oh, oh my goodness. The cool part about this is we call this You Can Learn the Bible because we really want that to be an aspiration for you. We really want to help you believe that you can learn the Bible, but we also want to provide tools and training to get there. And that's what this whole podcast is for. The goal of the podcast is our goal. It's our life goal. And that is really summarized in this phrase that we've been using for the last couple episodes. So I want to read it because this kind of sets the course of where we've been and where we're going. And that is that we want to help you understand God's eternal purpose revealed through the unfolding of God's story as we connect the Bible's most significant turning points. And so I'm gonna have Joey introduce where we're going today, but ultimately we wanna connect you to God. And the way we get connected to God is by knowing who he is and what he has done. Joey, go ahead, what are we gonna do today and how does it connect to God's eternal purpose? Yeah, Bodhi, like we've been doing on, on, on every program, we are holding this book in the highest of esteem and realizing that God reveals himself through the Bible. and He's made a covenant with us. And so we already looked right. at the covenant conceived and we've looked and explored that. Today, we want to focus on the covenant confirmed. And so there's going to be four main areas we're going to be looking at. Turning points, significant events that God has allowed right. to come forth in our reality to so that his eternal purpose can be accomplished. And so we're going to look at the patriarchs. Who are they? What do we mean by patriarchs? And right. Why was it significant that God would raise up certain men to accomplish his purposes through in the founding of what's going to be Israel? Now, of course, we know the people of God are going to be taken into bondage. So we're going to look at Exodus and how Moses was raised up to call them out of bondage. And then we look at the conquest. God raised up Joshua, a man who's going to lead God's people into the promised land. And we see, of course, amazing types of Christ in that, what we're saved from, what we're saved to. And then we see that the tribes, that the 12 tribes are in the lands that God has promised. And we're going to see the continued problem that mankind is separated from God and God has to act. He raises up deliverers. And so we're going to see that. And we're going to look at the nation of Israel being established at that point. All of this is under the heading of the covenant confirmed. 
Exactly. Thank you. So yeah, we've broken up kind of the beginning of this podcast again, because we felt like we want to give you a larger framework to put these books in. When we start studying Genesis, Exodus, we want to feel like you already know where they go. So we have introduced these four groups, the covenant conceived, that was last episode. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, you have to make sure that you understand some of the key turning points that happened in that first group, the covenant conceived. And so what we want to do, as Joey said today, is we want to cover these four here underneath the heading of the covenant confirmed. Because again, God is confirming his covenant with mankind. Now, what's fun uh, about this episode that we didn't really get to do last time is because last episode is what we call prehistory, meaning there's no real way to date when some of these things happen. We can guess on some of these things, but we know that these key turning points have gotten us to this particular point in the story. However, from here forward, we can actually use a timeline to keep track of where we are. And so if you're watching this, you'll be able to see it, but we want to make this so you don't ever have to watch this. If you just want to listen to it, we want to be able to connect the turning points down the timeline. And so last time we talked about the first four up to the call of Abraham. That's in Genesis 1 through 11. But now, Joey, we're going to continue looking at this time of the patriarchs. So introduce us really quickly, if you would, to the patriarchs. And then I would love to have you read the, probably one of the most important sections of Scripture which at the beginning of Genesis chapter 12, but who are the patriarchs? And then let's go ahead and start to learn a little bit about them. Yeah, what we see in this opening book of Genesis is God really highlights on four particular men. We call them patriarchs because God is not only using them for his covenant to be confirmed and for his plan to unfold, but each of these men were uniquely significant for how God was working at that time period. So we have Abraham, he was the one that we call the father of faith. And he's the very fact that he was called father is where we get the term patriarchal from. He was the father right. of many nations. We have his son, Isaac, and then we have Jacob, who is the next one that God chooses. And then out of Jacob's sons, Joseph is the one that's highlighted as an amazing story of redemption, because we see through the events of Joseph's life, an amazing typology foreshadowing of Jesus and the way that God is going to use what man intended for evil, God works for good and has, it brings about a great deliverance to save the nations. Amen. And that's who the patriarchs are. Right. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, where does it start, to. though? Can you read us? So uh, the Genesis mm -hmm. 11 to 12 is a big turning point. Read, if you would, sure. the text as we get introduced to Abram for the first time. Yeah. So as we look at God calling Abraham, it might be good just to mention the fact that Abraham was from a home of idolatry. And so God is calling right. this man out, showing grace, just like he did with Noah. And in a sense, this is a Gentile that God is, in a sense, choosing to right. make into a Jew. There was no really Jews at this point. No, right, right. No Israel. This is the beginning of it all. This is why this passage is so significant. So we read in Genesis 11, beginning in verse 32, the days of Terah, that's the father of Abraham, were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, which is his name before his name change, go from right. your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And then we go to verse two and it says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, here's the key, in you, in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a covenant. 
God is making a promise here. And it's so significant, Bodhi, for what is going to unfold from this point on. It is. Yeah. This is the Abrahamic covenant, but does Abram have, does he obey? Does he listen? We read in the next verse. What does he do, Joe? He gets this covenant from God, which is a unique moment. And what does he do? So then it says, Abram went as the Lord had told him. So he obeys. We always have a part to play in it. That's our obedience. And Lot went with him, his nephew. And then it says, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Very important that we get this timeline of what God is showing us and what's being introduced here. Yeah. And it's interesting is that his age is introduced immediately because his age is going to become a key factor in his role in this story, which we'll get to later. That's but right. what's interesting now is that we we now can look at both, not just a timeline, but we can actually look at a map and see where this event that we just talked about, Abram leaving his homeland, God didn't tell him where he was going to go. He just said, I want you to leave, but I'm going to tell you, this is actually the journey that Abram took. He left the land of Ur. He went up to Haran. You can see up there in the north. And then he went back down into a land called Canaan, which is going to become the focal point of the story forward. You can see loops down and back. That's when he goes into Egypt during his life. But ultimately here, what matters is this, as Joey said, God is forming something new. This is right after the Tower of Babel, when man tried to form something new on their terms for their glory. God is doing the exact opposite by calling a man out of his family to start something brand new. And so if you don't know where these are, these are kind of the modern nations. So he left actually the nation of Iraq, went up through Syria, went back down, of course, through uh, what we through Israel today. But goodness, Joey, a lot happens between the time of Abram and today, doesn't it? Right. Which is why we want to go back to the timeline. But what matters here Absolutely. is obedience. Yeah. As we watch this map, we see Indiana Abraham. Going through this map, this journey that God sets him on, God is actually bringing him toward the promise. He says, a land that I will show you. God is teaching us how to walk by faith, how we have to obey him and take him at his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So significant that we see the journey that's going to unfold here and the significance of Abraham's life. And what is to come? As you already said, Bodhi, in his older age, God is going to give him a son. Yeah. And this son yeah. is going to be the son of promise. Isaac. Is important. Yeah, exactly. So let's go back to the to the to the timeline. So we see this what this patriarchal period. So Joey, if we were to talk about the, some of the key things, if someone doesn't know, we know, we talked about Abram a little bit, but what do we need to know to understand the patriarchs? We have this, this kind of some basics here. We've already talked about Abraham. Walk us through some of these, these highlight points about each of these four men. We want to understand the significance of how these four men were used by God for the turning points of his purpose. So Abraham is somebody God chooses, as we said, from a house of idolatry. He gets a yep. name change. And so as a result, God changed his name to say, you will be a father of many nations or multitudes. So Abraham means father of the Hebrew people. We're going to see in his life that he's a father of faith because he's being asked to do something that requires an absolute surrender and trust in God. So he's a model for trusting God. And of course, he's the father of the son of promise, Isaac, through whom the covenant continues. And Each of these men, when you get to Isaac, Isaac is an interesting story. We see he's the son of the father, and we see that, therefore, there's a marriage happening, another amazing typology of Jesus. 
that Isaac is the one that Abraham is going to have to even offer at some point in a test of faith. But he marries Rebecca. He becomes the father of twins. Two nations are in his womb. We discover Jacob and Esau represent Israel and the Edomites. That, that's what we'll look at at that's another coming, time. Right? But yeah, what's significant about Isaac, though, is that he becomes the continuation of this covenant. He gives birth to uh, these two sons, but God chooses the second son, Jacob. And Jacob, despite his deceit, he carries on the chosen lineage. Jacob is a deceiver in the beginning, but he becomes the, another one that God changes his name, someone that God confirms yes. his covenant through. And so he's transformed by God. His name is given Israel, which means God prevails with him or God is able to govern over him. He has 12 sons and his 12 sons are the 12 tribes of Israel. That's where God begins to give us these different tribes that are going to take different parts of the land and occupy it and possess it. And so the story of the 12 sons is going to focus in the book of Genesis on one particular son at first, which is Yosef, Joseph, my name, which I, I love this character in the uh -huh, Bible. Right. Joseph is an amazing picture of how God protects his promise by preserving the seed and how he delivers the nation of Israel and the nations as a whole. Why? Because the Lord was with Joseph. He's yeah. sold into slavery, goes into Egypt. He is betrayed by his own, rejected and despised. Right. And then falsely accused, innocent, and eventually God uses Joseph as a start of what we call the this new saga in Egypt, which Moses will deliver them from in the yeah. Exodus. So that's why these oh. four men are so significant to focus in on. These are what's important to the author of Genesis, Moses himself. And this is because it's, the, it's how the covenant seed gets carried down from generations to generations. And so this promise of a nation, a nation needs three things. It needs land, it needs people, and it needs a government. And those, we're starting to now see the people form from one man and one man's obedience, Abram, with, where this miraculous line continues to be preserved and it would never have been preserved had God not directly intervened. And so if we go back to the timeline here, that's what the patriarchal period is for. But if you notice, if we continue down the timeline, there is now quite a bit of empty space happening here in our next one here, which is we're going to go now from the patriarchs into this next season. Because you're right, Joseph is the connecting point. But if we go back to the timeline here, look at this. There is a significant amount of empty space, Joey, between the time of the patriarchs, the ending of Joseph's life, to the next major turning point. This is where we start to get some of the other books of the Bible. But we have to understand the, the role of Egypt and why the Exodus was necessary. So if somebody doesn't know about these two connected events, what do they need to know to understand the Exodus and the conquest? Yeah, well, you know, when Joseph was in Egypt, we see God elevated him, fulfilled the dream he gave to him, and therefore the children of Israel multiplied in that land, and they became a great people there. But uh -huh. 430 years, they go by, but then Joseph dies. And when Joseph dies, it, it changes the whole way that the narrative goes because the children of Israel are now being held in bondage. The taskmasters of Egypt under Pharaoh are keeping them enslaved. They're crying out to God for deliverance, and it seems like God's not answering. I think a lot of us in our lives can relate when we read stories like this in the Bible. God, where are you? Yeah, Things aren't changing. Right. 
But God hears their cries. He knows their affliction. And Moses is raised up at the appointed time. He is of the children of Israel, but he happens to be released at a time. And amazing story with Moses being, his name was because he was drawn out of the water. He had been placed in a little basket, an ark in the water that would protect him from the Pharaoh who was killing all the early firstborn. So it's a very significant thing because Moses discovers his identity later on, who he is, who his God is, the God that's confirming the covenant. And he is sent by God at a particular time when he gets his revelation to go back to Egypt and to tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. Such a key event, such a turning point in the nation of Israel, because now they're going to be led out of Egypt back toward the promise that God originally gave to right. Abraham. Yeah, exactly. But they wander. Because we, yeah. They wander. Yeah, they in do. the wilderness. They wander. For 40 years. <laughs> exactly. Disobedience yeah. and unbelief. Two things yep. that have kept God's people from so much of the blessing is that we disobey and we don't believe, but God stays yeah. faithful. He continues to keep right. his covenant. And uh, what we discover is that Joshua is raised up to then lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And he is what we call it. We go yes. from Exodus to conquest because right. he leads them as Moses led them out of Egypt, what they're saved from, right. Pharaoh, the world bondage. Yep. We see they cross the Red Sea into the wilderness, but then we discover, right, yeah. right here's the map. He's going to yeah. lead them over the river Jordan and into the promised land. But that's Joshua doing that now. Joshua yep. takes the mantle of leadership and he leads the children of Israel across into the promised land, the land of yeah. Canaan. Exactly. Right. And what's crazy is that how God has preserved this thing the whole, the whole time. God preserved Abram. He preserved the family from one family. There was a famine in the land and now they become an entire nation so big that they were literally are born out of Egypt to now inherit the promise that God gave them 400 years earlier. And that's what this is about. So this map here represents both the exodus out of Egypt, the 40 years that Joey mentioned, and the conquest, the taking of the land that was originally promised to Abraham. So if we go back now here, we look at, we can kind of see that there's, that we're walking down the timeline. And so we've looked at the patriarchs, we've looked at this the exodus and the conquest. So now that they've they've captured the land, we have the people, we have the land, and we also have the government, which is the law. We're going to come back to the role of covenant, the specific covenants, the exodus and the conquest. Okay, they're in the land. Now what? Things are not so good. So this is number seven, tribe, cycle, and nations. We see that we are now in this very interesting and actually quite dark period of Israel's history. So, Joey, what are the essentials? What do we mean by the cycle? We know the tribes. Okay, the tribes are the 12 sons of Jacob. They each have a plot of the land. But what's a judge and what's the cycle? Help us understand what we need to know about this period. Much like we saw in all the previous events, the heart of man is often disconnecting from this covenant, moving away from the promise of God because of sin, selfishness. We knew that when they were in the wilderness, they were being tested there, even though God was leading them in that wilderness time. We read in Deuteronomy 8 how God was testing them there in the wilderness. And you get into the promised land and you discover that God is still looking at their hearts and you discover that there's this cycle that takes place. In fact, maybe the best way to just even introduce that cycle, Bodhi, is I'll read to you from Psalm 78. It actually just speaks about how 
God is so faithful, even though Israel keeps rebelling. And it says in Psalm 78, verse 10, they did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. So that was Psalm 78, 10 and 11. What you discover is that this seems to be the cycle that continues even when they're in the land of promise. What we discover is that they're in this land, but they go after the things of this world, idolatry. They begin to worship other gods. They take on their environment. And of course, what does God do? They reap what they sow. So God allows a judgment to come. He lets the nations, the surrounding peoples, basically oppress them and bring them through harsh times. Of course, that causes them to what? To repent. So I see in the cycle there, we go from idolatry to judgment to repentance. They have Mm -hmm. to change their way of thinking. They cry out to God. And of course, God being so merciful, he delivers them. And the way he delivers them is through a series of judges. Now, the judges were carrying out the judgments of God, but they were delivering God's people. And so we have people like Gideon, Samson, Deborah, Many of these different deliverers were used by God to redirect the hearts of the people back to God, and they found victory, which gave them rest. And then the cycle continues. They commit idolatry again, and they go through the whole cycle. Because the generation before doesn't know often enough, and they'll just get tempted by what's in their generation. Like today, right? It's always the same thing. But God has never, ever forsaken them. He will. What's interesting is that he will actually back off just a little bit, and he will let the oppressors come in only for the sake of purifying their hearts so they will cry out, so they will fulfill their end of the covenant, so we will fulfill our end of the covenant. Here, of course, speaking just of Israel, right? Not talking under the new covenant. That comes later. But what's whole is so important. If God is not directly keeping his end of the covenant, nothing works. But because he does, we are where we are. He is a faithful and good and amazing God. So that time of the judges, it actually, it goes around and around, but it does have an end. There's a person who becomes kind of the transition point out of this cycle and into our next turning point, kind of the next era, a really, really important era of Israel's history. So Joey, who is that person and kind of what comes after this? What comes next after the the tribe cycle and judges? Yeah, so right after we come into this period of the judges and the deliverers that God raises up, Samuel was a key person. I want to mention his name because Samuel was the judge that links the end of this era of these who God raised up and delivered. And now the people are looking at the nations of the world. They want to be like the rest of the world. And what they discover is that rather than God just being in the sole place of governing over them, they want a king. They want to match like the rest of the world. So Samuel hears the cry of the people. He prays to God. God says, give them that king, but let them know, warn them what's going to come with that. If you want to live like the world, you want to be like the world, you're also going to get some of the ugly things that come with that. And so Samuel explains that to them. They say, no, we want a king. So the first king of Israel is now chosen. And that's Saul. Saul comes from one of those 12 tribes, the tribe of Benjamin. And he's tall, dark, and handsome. From outward appearances, Bodhi, Saul looks like the man. He's the obvious choice, Why would we not want this guy to rule over us? But again... Man looks on the outward appearance, but yeah. God looks at the heart. We learned that from 1 Samuel 16, 7. Right. And uh, while Saul reigns as king, we discover he doesn't do so well for a while. And uh, he basically forfeits 
his yeah. role and right to be king. And God has reserved another man, a man after his own heart, David, the shepherd king. And so it introduces us to the first three kings of Israel, really, which is Saul, David, the one who we see is the key person that, that yep. Jesus will later come from, the line of David, the root and offspring of David, and then David's son, Solomon. And those are the three kings exactly. that begin right. the nation of Israel, each reigning for 40 years to begin the nation of Israel and their history of kings. Perfect. Yeah. And you can see that right there. And we see an interesting contrast too, Joey, with the Tower of Babel and Abram, man doing things man's way, and then God doing things God's way. Yes. We see the same thing here, right? Man, they want a king. And what's interesting is God is actually going to provide a covenant, the Davidic covenant, which includes a king. But what's interesting is that, man, we constantly want to take the authority out of God's hands. We don't want to submit. And God is so good and gracious that he constantly brings us back. But I really appreciate how you pointed out that we went from a time of all of these separate tribes to one single nation called Israel. And the first king was Saul. He was great on the outside, but then of course his true character showed. God then follows up and, and raises up again. But the books that are important here too, because some of the most cherished scriptures, the Psalms, the Proverbs, these were written by David and others during this time period. You know, it's really important to notice that there are certain books of the Bible that go with each of these significant turning points. So for example, when we're talking about the Exodus, we're looking at the book of Exodus so that the book is appropriately called for the fact that God is doing a departure of the nation of Israel out of bondage and going into the wilderness. When you get into books like Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that is the whole period of time while they're in the wilderness. So those yeah. are books of the Bible that relate to the time of testing when God is leading them and providing for them even while they're still in unbelief and disobedience at times. You get to the book of Joshua, and that is the time of conquest. That is where God raises up Joshua to lead them into the promised land. So as Moses led them out of Egypt, Joshua leads them into the promised land. When you get to the book of Judges, it literally is about that. The different judges, the deliverers that God raises up while they're going through that cycle of idolatry, judgment, repentance, deliverance, and rest, right? And then right. lastly... When we start talking about Israel as a nation, we're going to look at the books of First and Second Samuel. We're going to look at the kings later on, the kings of Israel yep. and Judah later on when it gets Chronicles, split. But yep. it's really important. Yeah, the Chronicles. It's really yep. important that we recognize that with all the significant turning points, certain books of the Bible go with those turning points. And I think that's really important right. for those listening to know that. Yeah. And it's important to know that the Bible is organized by genre. It's not always organized by chronology. It's loosely chronological, but if you just read straight through the Bible in what we call canonical order, you actually jump back and forth on the timeline. That's where we want to train you to understand these pivotal turning points so that when you read something that might be out of order in your in the order of the scripture books in your Bible, you know where it actually goes in the larger timeline. That's right. And I think like a whole genre is like the books of poetry. And it's really, right. you know, like Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, are all related to the nation of Israel and their worship, the wisdom God's giving them in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Solomon reflecting backwards on his life, Song of Solomon, this incredible allegorical book of Christ and the church, but also of love and romance between a husband and a right. wife. So yep. uh, these genres are so important when we look at these turning points. And that's yep. why it's helpful to know how the Bible progresses its story. Yep. So one of the things you can learn the Bible means knowing what the books are, knowing what the story is, and knowing how the books fit in the story. 
So I'm hoping that you're seeing that each of these turning points is building off the previous one to show the unfolding plan of God. And what's cool is we can actually look at the map because this was what it looked like during when it was called Canaan, right? Before, before Joshua conquered it, but after it was conquered by Joshua and it was divided, it was of course divvied up amongst the 12 tribes of Israel right there. Judah is probably gonna become the most important of the tribes when it comes to the land. That will later become the home of Jerusalem. And that's of course where Jesus' ministry mm -hmm. takes place in the South. North becomes Galilee. We'll get to that later. But if you want to contrast that, they went from tribes into a single nation. And this was the kingdom of Saul. So Saul's kingdom, you could see it was the land of Israel, but under David and Solomon, it actually grew significantly. And now we have two major regions that are going to be, they're really going to be play an important role in our next episode. But the Northern region is Israel and the South retains the name of Judah. It's helpful to kind of see how it's changed as we go through these parts of the timeline. So we went from the, the time of the judges into the nation of Israel. We see some of the most amazing wisdom literature coming from this time. Joey, I want to talk about each of the major covenants that are at work in the story in a second. But do you have any other thoughts on any of these turning points or about this time of Israel as a United Nation before we go into just reviewing the major covenants that are at work? Yeah, well, you know, Bodhi, I think what's really key when you look at this picture laid out before us of the progression of how God is working and carrying out his eternal purpose, there's a real difference between when man is in control of his own life or when man submits his rights to the Lord and lets God control. Now, of course, God is sovereign, so he's overseeing all things all the time. Right. But what is interesting is maybe it's even important to mention that before God even chose Abraham, there was a significant event in Genesis 11 where we talk about this tower being built by men, the Tower of Babel. The important thing about that is, is that they were making a name for themselves. They were yes. building a tower to reach the heavens. You know, one to sort of make a statement, we're never going to be washed away by a flood, we'll get high enough, even though God right. made a promise. And if we right. trusted God's Essentially, promise, like, we don't need God. We, can, we, we got everything need we need we'll do it ourselves. ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So that's the key. And I think we're going to see that theme over and over in Scripture. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And you really see the difference between a man-centered worldview versus a God-centered worldview. And we certainly see it within the nation of Israel. We see a yeah. massive difference in the contrast Absolutely. between the way Saul orientated his life versus the way David reorientated his life back to God. And that's what made David a man after God's own heart. He wasn't a perfect man, and we see the flaws of all people in the world, but yeah. there are those that fear God, those that seek to worship him and will submit their life to his rulership, to his lordship yeah. and leadership. That's right. what's key. It is, and it's so key. And and Solomon is now going to become a major turning point that we're going to cover in our next episode. I don't even want to get there because so much is about to change after Solomon. But what we really want to make sure that you understand, not just some of these key event turning points, but we want to make sure that you understand how the covenant is progressing and the specific covenant, because this word covenant appears at key points through the story. So we just wanted to make sure that you understood what those were up until this point. So there are not counting the covenant with Noah, which was more of a general covenant to the whole world. God has made four specific covenants up until this particular point. There's the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and then the new covenant, which is going to be coming 
in two episodes when we look at how at the fulfillment and the restoration. We'll get to that, but I want you to keep that in your mind. But we want to make sure you understand that the larger theme of covenant, where God has united himself to mankind, is working it out in these smaller, more specific covenants. So, Joey, let's summarize each of these really quickly as we wrap up today. The Abrahamic covenant, let's start with that. We'll put them all up here, but could you just walk us through the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant? We'll just Let's just talk through these. We want to make sure we, that people get the essentials of these covenants. Yeah, sure. You know, there are many different ways we can look at covenants in the Bible, as you rightly said, the general covenant. We know there's some yeah. other covenants like Noah. There was the Noahic covenant that God made. Right. We could talk about the Edenic covenant, which was sure, Eden, right. but those all have smaller roles as it relates to the four that we've just presented before you. Just there were four patriarchs at a particular yeah. time. We're looking at four specific covenants that God is working through. And the first one, the Abrahamic covenant, is one that's going to be perpetuated forever because it has to do with faith. The just shall live by faith. It begins with Abraham. God brings forth a nation through him. Of course, that mm -hmm. nation would be a blessing to all nations, the whole world. Why? Because the promised seed. God chooses a man to get a nation which allows a lineage, which leads us right to the Messiah, to Jesus. And so in a sense, the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant, they, they carry right over into the other. Whereas the right. other two covenants, Mosaic Covenant and the Davidic Covenant, have to do with how God is going to work in the world before Christ comes. And, and what's unique about that is the law is given to us in Moses. And the mm -hmm. law shows us the perfect standards of God. The holy attributes of God are communicated to us through these laws because they show us how we're to govern ourselves while sin is still perpetuating the right. world. And so it's, you know, the Mosaic Covenant is God's sovereign agreement with the nation and the giving of the law, whereby blessing or cursing depends on their obedience. A perfect yeah. scripture for that is Deuteronomy chapter 30, where we discover in that passage, God says through Moses to the people, I've placed before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose yes, life that right. you and your descendants may live. So we see how important what God does through Moses is, but right. Moses it's going to eventually be surpassed by the kings, as we talked about. And David being the king that this covenant is made through, the kingly line shows that God has a plan to bring forth right. his Messiah, who's going to fulfill the law. So the Mosaic covenant through Jesus will right. be fulfilled. The law and the prophets are fulfilled through him. But Jesus will forever be the king that will come through the line of David for an everlasting yeah. kingdom. A lot of people ask the question, you just made a comment about it. Is the Old Testament unnecessary? No. The Old Testament had all of the truths about Jesus concealed there. And it's not like we don't follow commandments anymore. Some people might think, oh, if we have Jesus, we don't follow any laws or rules. or No, but what's changed is we don't do sacrifices anymore. We don't have to fulfill much of what God gave through Moses because we have a perfect sacrifice. The book of Hebrews says we have a covenant built on better promises, better blood, a better priesthood, a better temple. All of it's in Jesus now. So if, in a sense, if we follow Jesus, who's fulfilled the law, we're actually following the law by following Jesus. And that's what's so key is we have a, the, besides the law being a, in its main purpose to drive us to Jesus, now we follow Jesus who embodies the law. He is the fullness of it. And so we follow Jesus and learn how to be spiritual people with his Holy Spirit in our life. 
and we discover how all these covenants, these promises, these agreements that God made with us, realigned into Jesus now, re reshaped and repurposed into our understanding of who yes. Jesus is, gives us the full understanding of all of this. Yep. Oh, it's so good. So we're gonna we're gonna pause here because we've got a lot more to unpack. The story is going to take a significant turn in our next episode. Now, I'm not even gonna gonna talk through our turning points yet, but it's summarized and it's grouped by this theme called the covenant challenged. And so it is challenged because now the other end of the covenant, man is going to break the covenant and God is going to allow certain things to happen to this united nation that have not yet taken place. And so we'll get to that in episode five, the covenant challenge, where we're going to look at these upcoming episodes. But Joey, if you were able to give one final thought about episode four, the covenant confirmed before we head into episode five next time, what should we take away from understanding these four turning points? Well, you know, I'm reminded of the verse that Paul says to his spiritual son, Timothy, when we are faithless, God remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. I think whether you're looking at the patriarchs, God's faithfulness, Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac, but God stops him because he provides for himself the sacrifice. He provides himself the sacrifice. Amen. We discover with Moses, he's going up against Pharaoh and challenging all the gods of Egypt. And yet we see God is greater than all of that. And he's faithful to fulfill his covenant promise there. We see with Joshua, you know, they go into the land and no matter whether it's Jericho or Ai or the Gibeonites, we discover that Jesus has the victory, our Jesus, our Joshua, <laughs> you know, as yes. seen through him because we see the Lord is faithful. And I think that's the key thing. When we talk about the covenant confirmed, we're seeing the faithfulness of God. The judges, they're, they're disobeying, Absolutely. they're rebelling. They're going back to idolatry, the cycle we talked about. Once again, God yep. intervenes and he constantly shows himself faithful. I think that's the key. When we look at this covenant confirmed, we serve Absolutely. a faithful God. Yep, yep. And the next episode, episode five, it's gonna get challenged and a lot is going to happen. So friends, make sure that you join us in episode five. Subscribe if you have not subscribed to the podcast, but we are just so blessed to be able to help you on this journey that we call You Can Learn the Bible. So until next time, grace and peace. We'll see you then. Amen. Amen.